The Bible says that three things will last forever. They are faith, hope, and love. I'm Monica Schmelter, and I'm glad that you could join me for Bridges today. As we look at the three things that will last forever, I'm going to start us out in the book of 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to start their 13th chapter, 13th verse out of the New Living Translation. And it says there, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So as we look at this particular scripture, if you keep it in context, the Bible is talking about many different spiritual gifts, like prophecy, other spiritual gifts. It talks about how on this side of heaven, we know in part and we see in part, but that someday, you know, when we're in heaven, that we will know all things just as we're fully known by God. But it concludes in this area where it says, you know, three things are going to last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of those things is love. So if those are the things that last forever, and if love is the greatest, it just makes sense that we would learn more about what the Bible is saying about the things that will last forever. So let's start with truth number one today, and that's faith. And we're going to specifically talk about faith in Christ. So look with me, if you would, if you've got your Bibles, Hebrew 11 and the sixth verse, and I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. And it says there, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So when we think about pleasing God, a lot of times we think it's like to do a lot of good things and it is good to do good things and like to go to church and it is good to go to church. The Bible says to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. It says to meet together even more so as we see the day approaching so that we can encourage one another and help one another. And yet this scripture, when we talk about faith in Christ, says that we cannot please God without faith. So faith is a prerequisite to pleasing God. And so the whole thing becomes, it's our faith in Christ. It's not faith in faith. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but to please God, we have to have faith. And then after we have faith, then we have to understand that anyone who comes to him, we have to believe that God exists. If you look at the first words in the Bible, it says in the beginning, God, right? No attempt whatsoever to prove that God exists just in the beginning, God. So he just, he introduces himself because he was, he is, he is the one to come. And so God is God and we have to believe that he exists and then to believe that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Some translations say who diligently seek him. So there's this thing about faith in Christ and believing that God is who he says he is and believing that he exists and then that everything's not just here, there and everywhere but that he rewards us if we sincerely seek him. And seeking him allows us to develop our relationship with him. 
It helps us to know the will of God, which way we should go, the decisions that are the will of God for us, cultivating that relationship. The only way that we can do that is by faith, by believing that he exists, and then by understanding that he rewards us and all of those who diligently seek him. So it's a lifestyle of seeking God. So when we talk about faith, hope, and love will last forever, it is our faith in Christ that we are specifically talking about right now and how that faith helps us in our daily life. It helps us in the big picture, but it helps us in our daily life, in our daily decisions, in our daily responsibilities, faith in Christ, believing that God is who he says he is, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those are all a part of a daily follower of Christ life, helps us build that foundation. So then you say, well, okay, faith, but how do you get faith? Well, the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 17, and I'll read from the New Living Translation. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So faith comes as we hear God's word, as we hear the good news. So if we're not regularly hearing the word of God, then our faith is not going to grow. That's what the Bible teaches us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So it's not like some people just have great big faith and other people just have a little faith. And yes, I know that the Bible says he's given us all a measure of faith so that we can come to him, but we can grow, build and develop our faith by hearing the word of God. Well, how can you hear it? Well, you can read it out loud. You can read it silently. When you go to church, you can listen uh, to podcasts. You can watch Christian TV. There's any number of ways, things that we can do to make hearing the word of God a regular practice of our life. The Bible is very clear about us having disciplines in our life. In fact, That's what a disciple of Christ means. It means that we are disciplined in following Christ. And one of those disciplines, or some people might call it a habit, would be to read the word of God, hear the word of God. And the more that we hear it, the more that we believe it. So when we talk about faith, hope, and love, we're talking about faith in Christ. And the way that we grow that and the way that we build that is to hear the word of God on a regular basis. For example, if we just ate food once a week, we would be pretty hungry on all the other days, right? Just the first day that we'd ate, we'd feel okay, maybe the next day, but then we would what? Get hungry, tired, and weak. And it's the same thing with the word of God. If we listen to it once a week, if we hear it, you know, every three days, we're going to get weak and tired in between. So the way that we stay strong in Christ, the way that our faith remains vibrant and strong is to take it in regularly. Now, when I say faith in Christ and not faith in faith, um, there are many people and I think hopefully, right, well-intended that have faith in faith. And they say, if you have just enough faith, you can You'll be like, well, Monica, the Bible says that if I have just the faith of a mustard seed, then I can move mountains. And the Bible does say that. 
100%. And it's true. If we have the faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, which is very small, we can move mountains. What we need to understand is that all of the Bible points to Christ, right? That God sent Christ to redeem us from being sinners and to call us sons and daughters as we call upon him, as we repent. And the whole idea is that our faith is in Christ. And whenever we pray and whenever we're speaking to mountains and whatever we're believing God for, it has to be in a line with God's word and it has to be God's will. I've heard people Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states misunderstand this and abuse it and use it in ways to shame people. Well, if you would have just had enough faith, well, then thus and such wouldn't have happened and this person wouldn't have died. I think probably it's best to refrain from all of that because we don't really know that. We don't really know how much faith another person has. It's enough for us to keep our own faith in Christ, to pray for others, But judging them in that particular way is probably not helpful. And I want to share this. Like, we're not in control of the universe, right? Um, My husband and I have some very close friends that um, on occasion, you know, we would get together. We've done a couple of weekends away with them. Wonderful Christian people. The last time we went on a weekend getaway with them, we just had the most wonderful time and we said, you know, let's do this again real soon. Well, what we didn't know is that within six months of that, the husband of my dear friend would pass away. He was just 57 years old. He looked like when we saw him, an absolute picture of health. We were all planning on all the tomorrows, all the funds, all the trips that we would look forward to. And he got a diagnosis of cancer. It was at stage four and it wasn't more than four weeks, but that he passed away. It's very sad that my friend lost her husband, that he's so young, but it wasn't lack of faith on anybody's part. Many, many people had faith. Many, many people cried. People fasted. We got groups of people together. And here's the thing. He got his healing on the other side. He is now fully healed and fully restored, and he is in heaven. He is in the place now where there's no more death, sorrow, tears, all of that. And all of us here on planet Earth that know him miss him. And of course, his wife is in grief. No one thinks 
that their husband is going to die that young, that you would get a diagnosis here and that within a month that he would be gone. As painful as all of, all of that is, we can take heart because the Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. This means that our dear friend did not die alone. God took notice of that. The New Testament says, right, that death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is swallowed in victory. So we have to understand that there are certain things about faith. There are certain things about prayer that we just don't completely understand this side of heaven. So it's not a matter of if I can just work up enough faith that a loved one will never die. I mean, the Bible says it's appointed unto man to die once. And I hear people say, but you don't have to die sick. And you're right. You don't have to die of an illness. I wouldn't know how to explain all of that. But let's just be honest. Can any of us explain all of anything? I know that I know Jesus Christ is my savior. I know that God's word is forever settled in heaven. All of my faith is in Christ. I don't understand how that situation with my friend and her husband worked out. I wish it could have worked out some other way, but my faith is not shaken. I take great peace in knowing that my dear friend is in heaven, a place that we will all be if we have faith in Christ someday. So it's not to shame anybody or to say if we had prayed differently, if we had done differently, God doesn't give us faith so that we can accuse one another and tell people how they can pray better or have more faith. It's that our faith is in Christ. We build our faith by hearing the word of God. Sometimes this side of heaven, we get a miraculous healing and other times the person is healed in heaven. And we have to accept that. Why? Because God is God and we are not. We have to accept that there are things about faith that we just don't understand. And whenever our faith is placed in anyone or anything other than holy in Christ, disappointment is going to occur. Heartbreak is going to occur. When we hear stories about people who are in um, what I would call a dangerous deconstruction of their faith, like walking away from faith in Christ completely, it's usually because somewhere there has been a root of disappointment. They believed something to be true that wasn't true, right? They thought that they could pray and make sure that their loved one didn't die, or they thought that God was going to do a certain thing. You know, I've known people who, you know, just pray and pray for God to pay all their bills, but they're unwilling to get a job and unwilling to do their part. That's not what faith means. That's faith in faith. That's not faith in Christ. What I'm talking about is, one of the objectives of our faith is to grow our faith in Christ, to lean more and more on him, not to trust our own uh, understanding, but to trust fully in him, knowing that he's going to direct our paths, knowing that there may be times in our lives where things don't work out exactly the way we prayed, or we had faith for this or faith for that. And it doesn't happen in those cases. We can keep our faith in Christ and be unshakable 
and be immovable because our faith is not in outcomes or results. Our faith is in Christ. Truth number two for today is hope in Christ. Now, hope, hope is a great word. A lot of people use the word hope. In the world, people use the word hope and we all need hope. Like what's wrong with hope? We all need something to look forward to. As believers, all of our hope is in Christ. We may hope that a certain thing will happen. We may hope for a certain job and there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just that ultimately all of our hope needs to be placed in Christ. And when we do that, we're never disappointed because he will never leave us or forsake us. He will never fail us. Look with me at how the book of Hebrews chapter six, and I'll start in uh, verse 19 there. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So hope in Christ. What is an anchor? An anchor holds us in place. It says that he is an anchor for our souls, that we will not drift out into beliefs that are not, that don't line up with the word of God. We will not drift. We will not fall away when our hope is in Christ. Again, if our hope is in that God is going to work out an outcome in a particular way, if our hope is that, you know, we're going to get married by this age, if our hope is that we're going to get this job for sure, for sure, for sure, and it doesn't happen, right? Then we're moved And especially if we thought that that's what God was going to do, we have to understand that he's God and that we're not. And we have to graciously accept sometimes what we cannot understand in our own human mind. We have to trust that he knows better, that he knows what to do. Look with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read there just a couple of verses, starting with the first verse. It says though, therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So our hope, all of our hope has to be in Christ. And so how do we do that in a world where everything is moving so quickly, where everything that is brought before us says to us that everything needs to be convenient. It all needs to go the the way that we want. We shouldn't, you know, have to pay for certain things. They should just be for free and that everything should just be wonderful. What do we do then when this life in a fallen world has problems? How, How do we keep our hope in Christ? Well, the scripture tells us 
We don't let ourselves get entangled with the things of the world. Sin very easily trips us up. We've all been tripped up by it. We know that. It says, let us run with endurance. In other words, as we're running, we have to have the mindset that we will endure to the end. Because the Bible says those that endure to the end will be saved. It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Some uh, translations say the author and the finisher of our faith. Whenever our eyes come off Jesus, it's just like Peter when he was walking on the water and he started to go into the water and could have drowned. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, he could no longer walk on the water, right? And so we have to understand that in order to keep our hope in Christ, we have to keep our eyes on him. When we look at other people and what other people are doing, even, you know, when you go through social media feeds and you look at what this family is and who's doing this and who's doing that, it can be a discouragement if you think that your life needs to look like that or that should have happened to you or your marriage broke up and you wish it didn't and you like, well, I would have had kids and I would have had grandkids and all those things. Those things can derail us. Those disappointments, th- that amount of sadness that's real I think we have to acknowledge that. I think we have to grieve that. But while we're grieving, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the champion of our faith. He's the one that initiated our faith. And he promises, right, that he's a perfecter of all the things that concern us. So if things don't go exactly the way we hoped, dreamed, or prayed, If we're willing to keep our eyes on Jesus, we will not go out and drift. We will not lose our faith. It says Jesus, right, kept going. He kept running his race, disregarding really the shame of the cross, but for the joy set before him. And so you and I, for the joy before us, for knowing that in the future, at some point, We will be in heaven with him and this life will be no more and our questions will be no more and our doubts and our disappointments. But until then, we keep our hope in Christ. And then truth number three is to understand that the Bible says of faith, hope, and love, that love is the greatest. And why? God is love. God created love. We get derailed sometimes and we get messed up because we want to redefine love or we want to tell God what love looks like. And you know, well, God, if you really loved me, you'd do X, Y, Z. I don't understand why that didn't happen. And you know, it's okay that we have our questions. It's our, it's okay to say, you know, God, I wish you would have done that. Or I'm, I'm upset that you didn't do that. He can handle tough questions. Just don't stay there. Don't stay there. Keep your eyes focused on him and continue understanding that love is the greatest. Understanding that only God's definition of love is 100% true, 100% accurate, and complete. God's definition of love lasts forever. God loves us unconditionally, and there's nothing that we can do to make him stop loving us. We may do things that make us sense a separation between him and us because sin does separate us from him. 
But when we repent, that separation is closed up and we can begin to draw nigh to him so that he can draw nigh to us. Love is the greatest. Love never fails. And it is important to understand in a world that has tried to redefine love, that has tried to make love what it's not, that has tried to say, well, love is just whatever you want it to be. And you all, nothing is whatever we want it to be. We're not in control of the universe. That's not how this works. God is God and we're not. And we need to understand that, you know, love and hope and faith, those things will last forever. And yet they're all brought together in completion in love. The Bible even says faith expresses itself in love. I want us to look at just a moment, continue with me, 1 Corinthians 13, and I'll start there in verse 8. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. These three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So if we understand what these scriptures are saying, it's naming all of these things that are so important to us right now, right? The Bible says not to quench or not to despise prophecy. It says even the gift of prophecy is partial, it's not complete. It clearly says we, none of us see everything all the way here. We only see partial. It says we see things in a mirror, like a puzzling reflection. That's telling us there are going to be times that we just, we don't understand. There are going to be times that we put our faith into something and it may not work out the way that we thought But when our faith is in Christ, we can come back to the scripture and say, okay, I'm I'm a human being. I'm made in God's image. Right now, I see things as a puzzling reflection in a mirror. There may be times that, you know, our hope is shattered. But when our hope is fully surrendered in Christ, we're going to be okay. And then to understand that love is the greatest And that someday God, who is love, we will be united with him forever in heaven, where it says that the Lamb of God being Jesus, that he will light the whole place. We will never be in darkness again. These things that trouble us so, these things that we can't understand here, there will come a day that all of that will be lifted from us. And we will know those things just as we're known completely by God. So there's a lot for us to look forward to. And in the meantime, 
we keep our faith in Christ, we keep our hope in Christ, and we understand that love is the greatest because God is love, and we hang on to him with everything we have. Today's truth is these things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Beckett Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.